This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories this Wednesday. Eagle County is hoping to expand its Lease to Locals program this year. It provides incentives to homeowners to lease their properties to local workers rather than using them as short-term rentals or leaving them vacant. Caroline Yanez has more. Homeowners who rent their properties to a tenant for a full year and cap the rent at an affordable rate are eligible to receive a cash incentive. That incentive, which ranges from four to $12,000, is dependent on the number of bedrooms. In 2023, 31 properties in Eagle County participated in the program, mostly located in Eagle and Gypsum, and housing 61 people, including 12 children. Eagle County Housing Manager Daniel Murray says it's a win-win. Sometimes you find a tenant that is a really good tenant paying their rent. You, you inspect the house, it looks great. Like they're protecting my asset year-round if it gets really cold, the pipes might not break. There's other like factors that go into it than just like a financial incentive. County officials are hoping to get 40 units participating in 2024, and they're starting outreach this spring to get ahead of the next ski season. They're also considering other incentives to reward homeowners that already rent long-term, even those who aren't in the Lease to Locals program. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. The Picking County Coroner has released the identity of a young woman who died in a ski accident at Highlands last month. The Aspen Daily News and Aspen Times report that the skier was Eileen Deborah Sheehan, a 22-year-old from Chicago. Sheehan was a senior at the University of Michigan, where she studied economics. She died after colliding with a tree on the exhibition run at Highlands on January 27th. According to the coroner, Sheehan had a helmet with her, but it was not clear whether she was wearing it at the time of the crash. The helmet was separated from her and found near the site of the collision. The Aspen Public House's request for flexibility in their lunch service got some pushback from Aspen City Councilors this week. The restaurant leases a space inside the Wheeler Opera House from the city at below market rates, and in return it's supposed to provide more affordable meals for locals and offer daily lunch and dinner service year-round. Public House operator Bill Johnson says the restaurant already runs on tight margins and they aren't breaking even on most lunches in the winter and off-season. The restaurant also struggles with getting enough staff to work the lunch shifts, so he wants the option to reduce weekday lunch service during those times. Some Aspen counselors were sympathetic to the challenges of the off-season, but several also expressed concerns that shrinking the public house's hours could impact the intended community benefit. Aspen Mayor Tory suggested that the council discuss the request further in an executive session next week. The Wheeler gets millions of dollars in funding each year from a real estate transfer tax, or RET, in the city of Aspen. For decades, that money was largely restricted to operation of the Wheeler, with a limited pool for some other arts and culture grants. But a few years ago, voters decided to expand who could benefit from the RET, so revenue could be used for broader arts and culture purposes. Now members of the Wheeler Advisory Board want to make sure that doesn't shortchange the Opera House down the road. At a meeting with Aspen City Council this week, the board floated the idea of a Wheeler First policy, which would establish priority for the Opera House in case there are big expenses in the future. Aspen Mayor Tory said the city would need more details on the idea before considering it. The owners of the Snowmass Mall want to make some updates, including the development of new housing units and a revamped transit center. 
The Aspen Times reports that Romero Group CEO Dwayne Romero and Connect One designer Heather Henry presented their ideas to the Stonemass Town Council this week. And while council members generally like the idea of more housing and a refreshed business corridor, they were a little wary of the transit center proposal. It's a touchy subject at Snowmass Town Hall since the town withdrew its own application for a new transit center last year. The Romero Group's idea is still in the preliminary stages. Their presentation to the town council this week was to gauge interest in a public-private partnership and get feedback from the council. Megan Hartman is taking over as the new principal of Basalt High. Hartman has been serving as interim principal at the school since July and as assistant principal since 2021. But she's been with the Roaring Fork School since 2008, working at Glenwood High School for 13 years, teaching math and serving in various leadership roles. The interview committee noted Hartman's positive impact on the school and her team's leadership this year. The Power of Fort Ski Mountaineering Race is coming up this Saturday. Skiers will climb, traverse, and descend all four Aspen Snowmass Mountains, starting at Snowmass and finishing at the base of Ajax. It's a grueling race with more than 10,000 vertical feet of climbing over about 24 miles, and teamwork is key. The race requires athletes to compete alongside a partner. Athletes who want a shorter course but still plenty of challenge compete in the Power of Two, which starts at the base of Highlands and finishes at Ajax. There are plenty of spectating opportunities along the course, especially at Highlands, where teams must get to the top of the bowl before descending. In local arts and culture news, filmmaker Greg Stump has produced nearly a dozen ski movies with iconic titles like The Blizzard of Oz and Groove Requiem in The Key of Ski. This month, he's presenting some of those movies in Aspen Films' Isis Theater for a series called Radical Wednesdays. Kai Williams has more on the first installment, which kicks off tonight at 7. Maltese Flamingo is one of Greg Stump's earliest ski movies, released back in 1986. The film has old-school narration from a 23-year-old Stump, plus an original score, mountains of epic skiing footage, and a mini-mockumentary within the movie about the secret life of sleeping bags. Acting on a recently declassified government document, Werner and I took these motion pictures thus revealing the horrible truth that 9 out of 10 sleeping bags develop minds of their own, derived primarily from the unknown sleeper within. In the words of present-day Greg Stump, It's, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I guess looking back on it, I'm like, wow, this really was pretty innovative. Stump says he was influenced by the gonzo stylings of artist Ralph Steadman and journalist Hunter S. Thompson, the Radical Wednesday series includes after parties at the Fat City Gallery, which houses a collection of Stedman and Thompson's work. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. And in other arts and culture news, a new art show opens at the Aspen Chapel Gallery tonight. The Four Rivers Exhibition accepted submissions from artists who live in the Roaring Fork, Frying Pan, Crystal, and Colorado River Valleys. Lisa Ballinger and Andrew Travers from the Herbert Byer Center were the jurors. They'll announce the winner of a $1,000 Judges Award. 
Attendees tonight will also get to vote on their favorite piece for the People's Choice Award of $250. Tonight's opening reception goes from 5 to 6.30 p.m., and the show will be up through March 2nd. And also tonight, Steve's Guitars is welcoming back an old Carbondale resident, and the show is already sold out. Ellie Barber, also known as Olayla, started her career as a musician early. She trained as a classical cellist at the age of nine, and the musician merges her technical string background with her own indie folk style. She was a finalist in the 2022 NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Tonight's sold-out show is at 8 p.m. In statewide news, a Democratic bill would require Colorado to conduct a comprehensive study on the history and legacy of slavery in the state. CPR's Benta Berkland has more. Supporters say the goal is to confront racism head-on and understand its legacy, both implicit and explicit biases, and everything from health care to education to housing and policing. Democratic Senator James Coleman is the main sponsor. While we've made steps to improve the lives of all people in Colorado, I know that we have much work to do. I know we can do better. In order to do better for the people, we need to have data-driven solutions. It cleared its first committee on a party-line vote. One Republican who voted no said the study would be divisive and worried it would lay the groundwork for reparations. I'm Benta Berkland, CPR News. And in regional news from the Mountain West News Bureau, two new reports show that winter low temperatures and the number of warm days are both on the rise thanks to human-caused climate change. Murphy Woodhouse has more on what that looks like in our region. The group Climate Central has been tracking the warmest and coldest days over the last five decades. What they found is that 86% of some 240 sites across the country now have more very warm days than in the 1970s, and that the coldest day of the year has gone up by 7 degrees. Changes in high temperatures were more modest across much of our region, but some of the most dramatic swings in cold days were found in the West. Winter lows jumped nearly 16 degrees since 1970 in Boise and by 14 in Reno. But Judah Cohen, seasonal forecasting director at Verisk Atmospheric and Environmental Research, says this trend doesn't mean extreme cold is going away. That's due in part to disruptions in the polar vortex, which have brought frigid temperatures in recent weeks. A few days later, a week later, the polar vortex snaps back to its normal shape or configuration, and the record warm temperatures return. So we're seeing this increase in weather volatility. He says the debate about the impact of climate change on the polar vortex is ongoing. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Kaya Williams, and me, your host, Eleanor Bennett. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.